Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is UJ Ramdas. UJ is the co-creator of the 5-Minute Journal and the co-founder at Intelligent Change, a company that takes leading psychology research and real-world tested self-improvement advice and distills it into actionable tools to help people make lasting positive change. UJ, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm happy to be here, man. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and some of the projects that you're involved in? Yeah, so um, I uh, started this company about five years ago, and and I, I like to joke I, I started this company because I can't sell widgets. I can't, you know, last eight years uh, every dollar of I've made is, is come from someone's behavior becoming better, someone's uh, life getting mentally, emotionally better. Uh, for this, I used to help people change habits on a results-based approach um, at a clinic here uh, in, in downtown Toronto. And um, I've always been really interested in, uh, you know, what, me, what moves the needle legitimately forward in our mental and emotional lives. And and that question is, is, is kind of uh, taken me down wild and interesting paths. And one of those paths was uh, was co-founding this company and creating uh, the Five Minute Journal, the Property Planner, the apps and um, tools and things like that. Awesome. What inspired you to get into self-improvement? Um, to the question, uh, I I came to Canada. So so a good chunk of my story um, begins at the beginning. Um, I was born in India, uh, and I came to Canada alone when I was 17 because I wanted, I realized I wanted to, to start fresh in a place where I could, uh, fully express myself and, and I could have my strengths used for what they are. And I realized in India, it was, it was a, it was a pretty constraining environment for me. So when I got here. Um, as you can tell, I don't have much of an accent. Um, and I realized, you know, there were, there were some things that were, there were liabilities. Um, and I learned to adapt, you know, in terms of the customs and the clothing and the, and the verbiage and, and things of that nature. And so for me, it was very much a survive, uh, and adapt or die situation. Um, and, and something I realized it's, it's really interesting. Um, when you look at you know a, a specific subsection of of immigrants, uh, they come here and they have hustle because um, they, they've seen hunger, real hunger. Um, and and I realized a lot of people in North America weren't very hungry, at least um, you know in some of the uh, parts that I was exposed to. And um, I realized there was this amazing thing called self improvement and personal development that that, that had people uh, walk you through how to make yourself better. And um, it seemed like the simplest, most beautiful idea that um, I could wrap my head around. And, uh, and so I've been, I've been uh, active. Um, I've taken a really strong interest in personal development ever since I was 17 because it made me realize it can help me do what I want to do. Why the hell would I not want to do this? That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I, I can see what you're saying about sort of life or death. I mean, how do you adapt and 
and survive in a new culture. And yeah, I think that's a, you have a beautiful story. And what was amazing is in full transparency, you know, at the time I didn't have very much money. And, uh, and, and so there was this beautiful thing called BitTorrent. Um, and, uh, and whether it be Anthony Robbins tapes or, uh, be it, you know, ebooks on, um, dating from, um, you know, business stuff, like pretty much like most things at the time, because I didn't have very much access to, to capital. Um, I would just read and learn <laughs> and implement. And, uh, I have to thank, um, the thousands and millions of people on BitTorrent for that. Um, and the creators of the content, obviously, and I've since, you know, started to, to, to reward them and pay them for their services and goods and things like that. But it's, it, it was a really early, uh, beautiful time for me to learn, okay, let's see what works. Let's see what doesn't. And I didn't really have the patience to, to, to deal with too much theory. I needed stuff that worked now because, you know, I had, a, had an immediate need. I have a couple of questions. One, around what year did you move? 2005. 2005? Yeah. And what, when you discovered some of the self-development material, what was some of the stuff that really resonated with you? Um, I think some of the Tony Robbins stuff was really great for me back in the day. Um, it was really great. It just it, it made a lot of sense um, to, let's say, the hour of power stuff. Um, right, have the first hour of the day uh, segmented in such a way that you just crush it straight off the bat so you're already in state and um, you can do pretty much what you want to do. Um, the, the prioritization um, of stuff you want to do early in the morning, that's pretty cool, right? Like figure out what you want to do, what you want your day to look like. Um, the, uh, the journaling stuff was great. Uh, the, he, he had, you ask a lot of questions. Um, and I think when you were doing a program, it was about an hour or two of work a day. It was serious. Um, and if you actually did the program, um, you'd get a lot out of it. And I still have my journals for, from back then when, um, when I used to do all this stuff. And so I, um, am admittedly a, uh, voracious journal. I just, I just write a lot and I, uh, for myself and I process a lot of information that way. And, um, I have to say like it, that that part of my life really helped me crystallize. You know, an only kid, um, I didn't really have very many else um, that I could communicate with how I was feeling with. And it was also pretty emotionally closed off at the time. So the only person I felt safe with was myself, and I was here all alone in a foreign country. Uh, I had to grow the fuck up. Um, I don't know if I can swear on here, but you can. Um, so so I had to. I just did whatever I could, and I I, I accessed pretty much all of the information that I could that that could that helped me become better and um and had lots of um uh, incentive so so use all of that and um i think uh unlimited power was one uh was a really valuable uh, book out of the time i think the, the movie the secret was out around the time i don't agree with pretty much like most things in the movie but but what was cool about it is um a lot of how i came to canada was um was through a lot of the the uh the affirmations and the ability to see something that is not yet there. I just call it imagination. Um, but having the imagination to stick and almost burn um, an image in your mind to the point where you start to see that it's possible. And 
And I don't think there's anything magical or necessarily mystical happening. I just think it's because you start believing the fact that this thing is actually possible. You start to take more action towards this thing, whatever thing that you want. Um, so I think those ideas, um, if communicated early, and I don't see any reason why they can't be communicated when someone's seven or eight or 10 or 12, they're basic ideas that, that kids can understand. Um, but, but it's a very powerful thing. And books have always been um, a huge source of strength and inspiration for me. Um, so uh, when I'm having a great time, I read. When I'm having a shitty time, I read. <laughs> and, and, and so a lot of those early books that allowed me to see that, hey, this is possible, um, gave me the confidence to go after what I really wanted and, 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 not, and basically not have an option B or C or whatever. You said growing up, you said you needed to grow up. What did that mean to you? Or what does that mean in retrospect? Um, not waste time. Um, growing up meant uh, making the decisions I needed to make to get, like essentially, uh, there's a really great book called Ender's Game. Um, and it's a, it's a fiction, I don't read much fiction, but this is a fantastic one, um, where there comes a moment in his life when he realizes that there's nobody's got his back, that he either survives or dies on his own. Nobody's really gonna kind of show up for him. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying like it was nearly as dramatic for me, but um, to being in a, in a foreign place, uh, especially when you get sick, you realize, okay, like you're the person that's gonna make your own soup. You're the person that's going to get your medicine. You're the person who's going to walk and, and do all the things you normally have to do anyway. There's nobody else that's really going to show up for you. Uh, there's no one who's in a logistical position to do so. Um, and the same thing extends to you know money. The same thing extends to uh, productivity. The same thing extends to health. The same thing extends to dating. The whole thing. Um, so so it was it was a form of um, you know, we don't have rites of passage here, but it was a form of rite of passage for me, um, where boys become men. And I think that's, uh, that's something that's, that's quite lacking in, in, uh, the North American climate. I have a few things. I want to come back to this rite of passage thing, but there's a couple of things that you said that I found really interesting. One, you said that you were really emotionally closed off. Can you explain that or expand on that? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's uh, not an uncommon thing as men. Um, and I grew up in a, in a kind of patriarchal, kind of male-dominated culture where the, the showing of emotion is, is considered weakness. Um, and the experiencing of emotion is considered weakness. Um, and so for majority of my life, I... Um, I think till the age of 25, I think I, I cried a total of about five times. Um, and, and so I, I was just didn't have the vocabulary to, to express the range um, of feeling. I didn't even have the, the, the internal mechanism to understand what each of the feelings meant. Like what was fear? What did fear feel like? What did frustration feel like? What did anger feel like? Or what did embarrassment feel like? I wasn't, I wasn't even really cognizant of how all of these emotions felt, how they, how they affected me, how they um, affected my decision making, how um, 
I can be a better thinker, writer, author, entrepreneur, fill in the blank, if I'm able to fully inhabit my body and my mind um, and, and really have I come at every situation and challenge with my whole being, not part of my being. What happens is when we are closed off, essentially we close ourselves off to a part of us that we have access to that can help us make better decisions, that can help us feel more, that can help us feel more alive, um, that can inform us um, and warn us and encourage us. Like these are genuine parts of ourselves that we're closing off ourselves off to and we close ourselves off from those gifts. Um, and so the, you know, the, the, the part of becoming whole again, in my opinion, um, part of healing is reclaiming those parts. Um, so you can live a complete life. What was your process for beginning to develop this vocabulary right because i think this is in my opinion this is something that i see all the time um it's something that i've experienced myself there's a period in my life where i don't know if i could really express very much more than either i'm happy i'm angry i'm scared right i'm sleep i'm tired yeah yeah i wasn't feeling feeling very much i'd suppressed a lot of my emotions and i had to go through a similar process i'm curious for for you what was that process of reconnecting with your feel feelings? How did you do that? Well, first of all, like, there had to be like a point where I went, this isn't working. Because <laughs> right? I think um, most people, and, and most men specifically, are, are not going to focus on, on fixing something if they don't think it's broken. Um, and for a long time, I didn't think anything was broken. I just thought, you know, yeah, maybe I don't feel as much as other people. I'm totally fine. Um, I can still do the things I want to do. Uh, and so I, ha I had to get to a point where I realized, oh, shit, you know, I'm not able to do some of the things that I actually want to do. Um, I realized it was impeding with my ability to learn. It was impeding my ability to um, feel love. It was impeding my ability to um, connect romantically. And, and this is, okay, this is something now I have incentive to solve. Right? Um, you're not really going to solve anything unless you have an incentive. And I think that's a big, big thing. So, so for a lot of people listening, uh, they might think, hey, I'm totally fine. And I had friends like this as well. Like, I'm totally fine. I don't need to do anything. For sure. You're totally okay. You don't need to do anything. There is no need to do anything. But there are things that not having access to a full range of emotion is going to limit you from. Um, and part of that is a full connection to yourself. Um, and, and especially it's going to be a full connection to um, a romantic partner or your, your people close in your life, friends, family, etc. And um, if you don't feel it, chances are your friends and family will tell you, <laughs> you know, this is a thing, this is a thing that you need to improve on. Um, and so I'd gotten enough feedback from friends and family and I'd gotten enough feedback from life where I'm like, okay, I have to look at this. I got to see what's actually happening here. Um, and so the first thing is, is to learn to, to own the fact that, okay, we are, um, feeling animals, not thinking animals. Uh, if you look at our brain structure, we have, um, majority of our brain, which is, you know, reptilian and animal. 
only uh, the new the, the newest layer is the cerebral cortex, the one at the very top that makes us plan and, and analyze and strategize and make decisions and, and all this other stuff. That's fancy new stuff. It's the newest part of, of the, the brain. Uh, majority of us is really an animal reptilian brain. And so we are feeling animals, not thinking animals. We are feeling animals that think, not thinking animals that feel. Uh, feeling is the primary intelligence through which we navigate the world, even though we think we're thinking animals and we navigate the world through thought. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And the feedback from the world, whether it's friends or family, or maybe you had a relationship go bad, like this idea that um, the world told you something was off and, and that woke you up. Because I was curious, like if you have a fish that's in a fish tank, it doesn't know th that there's water until you remove it, right? So I, I was curious sort of like what that was for you. Um, well, I think, I think the core of it is I really love learning. And um, I realized that not having the widest range of um, emotional access really limited my learning. Um, I recognize a lot of uh, what I considered to be early failures um, in life and in romance, and lots of stuff. That limited my ability to continue moving forward. Um, and this is, this is not uncommon. Like we, you, you think you have a failure and that stops you from moving forward. And unless you grieve it, unless you are able to, to look inside and say, you know, that sucked. And, and I, I have to let that go emotionally. Unless you're able to do that, it's going to, going to color every future um, situation, every future uh, venture, every future relationship. Um, so it was, a, it was a combination of things. I think uh, one of them was uh, I wanted to make the, the, the jump from, um, you know, uh, frankly, uh, from having not so deep uh, romantic encounters to just a deep connection with uh, a partner and realized, okay, this is, uh, this is work that's going to facilitate that. And um, I just jumped into it. I mean, a lot of stuff you're talking about, I think is, is super common. It's part of, I don't know if it's a necessary part of the journey for men, but it's definitely part of the journey that I observe over and over and over. And um, whether it's like things like I need to do everything on my own, I feel isolated. I know I felt like that for a long time. And I felt when I, like when I asked for help, people resented me. Um, you talked about suppressing emotions. And when I did that the most, it was, I was just trying to keep things together. Yeah. And, and probably feel expectations around what, I thought masculinity was and while well, also just trying to keep my life together <laughs> um I, I know for me I, I realized I was like very emotionally open as a young man and then I had a couple experiences with women where I tried to be emotionally open and they sort of were more shut down and that caused me to shut down and for a long time I believe like I became aware of that when I was more emotionally shut down women seemed to be more receptive and if somebody's really emotionally open and the other person is shut down and, and you ask that shut down person to open up a lot of people will run and um so like th these are sort of like life lessons that i had to sort of come to grips with as well um as far as like dating i, I feel like the pattern i see a lot with men is first they just like they're young guys and like i want some female attention i want their whether it's emotional validation or i want sexual validation like i want to be accepted i want a woman to accept me um and then the next stage after they become like romantic with women is I want 
to date more women. And then it's like, I want to date more attractive women. And there's like a lot of ego, I think that's involved in that. But at some point there feels like an absence of connection. And, and then I see a lot of men go move into themselves or become more introspective and they start asking themselves, how can I build that deeper connection? Because, uh, I'm not getting, like I went from not having any relationships to I'm having relationships, but they're not the relationships that I want. Something's wrong. And it sounds like you went through a similar process. Is that true? Um, I think what the, the process I went through was uh, the realization that it was it was partly romantic, um, but it was partly professional. Like it wasn't just the romantic side that was giving me that feedback. It was it was all of life. Um, it was uh, my family. It was. Um, to some extent, my friends, and it was to some extent like I think um, most people, unless they learn the ability to um, process and heal trauma, continue on to live, you know, as the advance in years, live quiet lives of desperation. Because here's what happens it's kind of like um, not brushing your teeth every day for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, stuff catches up to you. Um, and, and so our mental and emotional lives are something you can't physically see. You can't see, I can't see how healthy or unhealthy your mind is. You can't see how healthy or unhealthy your emotions are. But you can tell uh, over time how that person ends up um, in life you can see how much life they have left in them um, at 50, 60, 70, 80. You know, there, there's people with a very, very strong, um, very, you could see them with life when they're 80 or 90, and they look very different. Uh, maybe may look much younger than people who are um, 80 or 90 and, and haven't really um, gone through the process of, of healing their wounds and, and, learning to take as good care of their mind uh, and their emotions as they, t they take care of their body. I think this is a kind of a requisite uh, for full spectrum living, in my opinion, um, is, is learning to, to take full care of all of yourself, not just some of yourself. So how did you, or what was your process for learning to release trauma to the extent that you've been able to do it? I think um, the, the the first thing is to is to get a sense of okay, like we have a problem, you know, Houston, we have an issue. Um, you know, okay, cool, good to know. And and what's interesting is like as soon as like that's that's probably like the a, a huge milestone. I wouldn't say it's the biggest milestone, but it's a huge milestone. Um, the second is is allow yourself to communicate with someone that can give you more input on this because you, there's only so much you can do inside of your head. Um, you need feedback. You need um, external, unbiased as much as possible, um, clear sense of, okay, like what, what is this preventing me from doing and what, what does this mean? Um, and for me, it was, it was really, you know, emotionally self-aware friends. Um, they, they point things out to me that I started to realize, okay, interesting. You know, I'm doing this thing and it, it's it's not helping um, the situation. And one of my strengths is I give and receive feedback um, well. I 
give it pretty consistently um, and I, I receive it. And I think the art of giving and receiving feedback at a very high level can help um, can help people grow at a very fast rate and also is, is a pretty good indication of what something I look for, which is called growth mindset. Um, so, so once you recognize that and you see, okay, here's the deal, and then you actually have to, to do the healing, um, which means at the end of the day, trauma is about experiencing the pain you experienced at the intensity that you experienced at the time of trauma and changing the story that got imprinted when the trauma originally happened. That tells us a lot, so let me unpack that. So first of all, like, are we clear up to this point? I am, yeah. Okay, cool. Because like, I, I just introduced a whole bunch of stuff here. <laughs> I mean, you, I, for somebody who's listening, maybe yeah. you should go into each of these exactly. different components, yeah. Exactly. So, so let's, let's deconstruct this a little bit. Uh, what is trauma? Um, trauma in my, uh, you know, this is not a dictionary um, definition, but in my mind, trauma is um, an event that happened um, when the person on the receiving end of the trauma was unprepared for the event happening. Um, like tr the essence of trauma is unpreparedness. So maybe there was violence, maybe there was abuse, maybe it was um, a violation of someone's privacy. Uh, maybe it was uh, neglect. Um, you know, maybe you know a kid was crying and, and nobody was was really um, paying attention to the kid for a day, two days, whatever. Um, maybe it was the lack of their needs being met fully. There's many causes of what trauma is, but really, what 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 happens is because the pain is too much, the person experiencing the trauma cuts themselves off from a part of them that is experiencing the pain. Um, so you numb it out. Uh, and, and the psyche numbs it out because um, the psyche wants to survive. And um, a very, you know, a, one of the ways the psyche survives is by cutting off the source of the pain. Um, and so now you feel numb and now you feel okay to go about life. But now you have to keep that part numb. You have to keep that pain numb um, and there's, there's lots of addictions that we can, that adults resort to, to, to keep the numbness going. Drinking is a common one. You got smoking, you got marijuana, you got sex, you got TV, you got lots of stuff. Um, so there's entire industries built around, um, helping people numb stuff out. Um, and when the trauma happens, typically there's a story someone says, like it's the, there's, there's kind of almost like a, if you think of it as programming, there's a program or a statement that gets locked into the pain. Um, you know, it could be like, I'm not good enough, it could be uh, I don't deserve this, it could be any, any number of things um, based on how young the person was when they received the trauma. Like their brain is only acting at a certain, you know, their brain is developing, so their brain isn't, isn't gonna make like rational choices at a time, right? So, um, so as they grow older, like for me, I can say as I grew older, I realized there was this part of me that was numb that um, I didn't know how to unnumb, and it was like it was a thing where I felt I felt the numbness, but I didn't know how to unnumb it, 
And so I realized it was it was going to have to happen in stages. Um, it's going to have to happen in in chunks and bite-sized chunks, kind of like how do you the elephant joke, you know, one bite at a time. Uh, and so when I realized it was going to kind of take this path and journey, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm in for a ride of at least a few years. Um, I estimated about five, like it probably like got to where I wanted to get to around three or so. Um, but I also focused a lot of time and energy on it because I started to see, and, and I, I, this is also a belief of mine. Like I think it's important for all, all humans to do whatever they can to improve the scope and the range of their internal experience. So a lot of people, uh, pay good money to go to a fancy restaurant and eat delicious food. Now, if you fast for 24 hours before you have that meal, the enjoyment of that meal is going to be higher than you if you would just go eat that meal without fasting. Um, and in a similar vein, if you are able to expand the range of your emotion, your life's actually going to get way better because you can feel more, you can think better, you can relate better. Like that whole being that you have access to is now like has more intelligence. Like it's really awesome. Um, and it's, it's something that I put a priority on. Um, so once, once that happens, then you go, okay, um, who are other people who've done this before? What are some resources that, um, I can, I can access that can help heal a lot of this stuff. Um, and then you go down that rabbit hole and there, there's like, you know, a couple of books that I can recommend that, that have been really valuable. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to being comfortable feeling. What is feeling even, what does feeling feel like? What does feeling sadness feel like? And music is, is quite useful on this. Um, so long story short, when you start to uncover that trauma, um, you're going to have to feel that pain that you originally blocked off. It's part of the healing process. And when you're able to uncover that pain, the story or the, the programming that you originally imprinted on yourself is now open to change. Now you can change the thing that you wanted to change. With a computer, you know, reprogramming and reformatting is a lot smoother, a lot faster. When you're the person, when you're the hard disk getting reprogrammed, it's a lot more painful. Um, and this is something you got to deal with. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. 
And who knows, attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I mean, I think you have a lot of really interesting ideas. I want to take a few step back because I want to go deeper into a few of them. Um, one, I really like this idea. I have to think more about it. But the way that you describe trauma as, as being unprepared for an event, I think that's really fascinating. You also talked about the statement or story attached to the experience. And one of the things that I'd like you to do more is expand on how a person might tell themselves a different story or construct a different story. Like what does that process look and feel like? So I think um, there's, there's lots of ways to do this. Uh, there's lots of ways to do this. So I'm, I'm not saying the way that I'm suggesting is the only way. I'm just saying the way I'm suggesting works for me. Um, which is, uh, is get in touch with the feeling aspect of things. Um, there's a really great quote by Wim Hof, the, the Iceman, um, if you've heard of the guy, but he's, he holds the records for really incredible feats of endurance, um, in, in extreme temperatures. And he then claims to be able to teach other people to do that. And he's made a life and a business out of doing that which is really cool. Um, the quote is feeling is understanding. Um, and a lot of what he does is he helps people get in touch with the primal part of themselves. Um, feeling is a kind of intelligence. Uh, and, and that was the switch for me. I enjoy intelligence a ton. I enjoy intelligent people. I enjoy books, podcasts, um, conversation, action, things like that. But when I realized access to feeling and not having access to feeling is like not having access to a part of me that's really smart. Um, I started to realize I got to feel and I, I put an emphasis on feeling. Um, and, and it's, it's really interesting. You can meditate on a feeling. You can choose to put your attention on what you're feeling right now. You can ask yourself if you were to do a journal entry, what am I feeling right now? And once you start writing, You'll start to notice, you start to dig and start to, to kind of move away some debris and start to really arrive at something, um, a state where that is the current experience you're having. Um, that's a profound thing because once you start doing that, you start kind of scraping away at the layers um, over time, and it's an overtime process, you'll learn how to develop that range of feeling and then you'll hit against some blocks you know, you'll hit, hit like a, like a block where you can consider that some trauma. And so if you continue to intensify that, then you start to feel the pain that you've been, um, blocking and a, a great way to, to, to remove that, just remove a lot of, um, the addictions you have, you know, explain what you mean by intensify. Um, so there's a few things you can do to, in, to intensify feeling. Um, one of them is removing addictions. Addictions, by definition, numb you. They numb you to the pain of the psyche that you're storing inside. So whether it be you know a phone addiction or a sex addiction or a, a TV addiction or a porn addiction, um, these are somewhat normalized in our culture um, and in the general society. However, um, if you were to stop doing it for a few weeks, you'd notice some changes. You'd start to notice you're feeling more. You start to notice you might get more irritable. 
There are things that were in homeostasis before, now are going to be not so in homeostasis. You might start to smell more. Um, you might start to have more libido. Like these are things that start to become more active as a result of you not um, numbing yourself. So, I mean, I'm going to try to say this through my own work, like uh, sort of ideas and experiences back to you. And you can tell me if I'm on the right path. So what I think you're saying is that throughout life, we acquire these traumas and we suppress them all the time by just staying busy with shit. And what you're talking about is like removing some of these habits or things that we do in order to suppress and so that you have way you have more space in your life. And as, as we have more space uh, or so one would have more space in life. And as we have more space in our life, it allows us to, to sit and explore those feelings more. Is, is that, am I in the right world? Yeah. Yeah, definitely in the right world. Uh, what it also does. So, so by removing things, yes, you do get space. Uh, but also, you are you're present with the things you were no you were not present with before you're just present with the the discord in your life well a person can't hide from them right like if you're if you're on your phone every five minutes playing can't think of that bird game like um angry birds, yeah. Yeah, angry birds you know <laughs> angry birds or you're checking instagram or you're constantly on dating apps or if you are constantly checking porn or if you're constantly people can use fitness as a form of escape but like um whatever it is that you're doing a person might be doing compulsively it's like allowing us to distract ourselves from the things that we might not want to sit with because if if we have that space then we start feeling these things and they're fucking not always fun that's what i'm hearing is that right mm -hmm. yeah no it's accurate okay so I think it's a really interesting idea. And this is something that like I, I've talked about on other podcasts. I mean, there's a lot of things like I was going through a period of my life where things were definitely fucked up and I didn't know how I got there. And uh, I might do in retrospect, uh, or at least I believe I do, but I found myself doing all kinds of things to keep myself busy. And for myself, I had, there's a lot of things that I had to do things like uh, to create that space that I just, the way I described it, which was things like blocking new sites, um, blocking social media, um, I started doing mindfulness and meditation exercises. Um, I started thinking about who were the type of people I wanted in my life and, and having less people who sort of like filled my life with busyness. And, and so there's all kinds of different ways that I address this. I find it really interesting to hear how you addressed it. Another way thing that I did early on was I began to journal and, um, journaling also created some of that space for me. And so that's sort of my next question for you. Um, I know that you've created this five minute journal. You even began to, to talk a little bit about journaling. Um, can you talk to me about how journaling has become important to you and how it's impacted your life? Yeah. So, um, a friend of mine kind of commented about this, um, some time ago and I, th I think it's relevant. He said, you really have like low tolerance for bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, yeah, um, and he's like, well, that's why you like to solve problems. And that's why, like, when you can't solve something, you just generally start to put things on paper. And so I've always solved problems by putting things on paper, whether it be an emotional problem or a mental problem or a logistical problem or a business problem, whatever. I think, like, let's just put this stuff on paper. We can solve this. It's always been kind of my approach. And, and because I've, I've had 
history of solving problems on paper. It just helps. There's so much things. There's something that happens when you put something that is in your head down on paper. Um, there's a word in English called cognize, you know, or cognition, uh, which means the ability for you to kind of loop in your cerebral cortex and to think. Um, and when you put something you're feeling or something you have an understanding of on paper, your brain recognizes it. So the word recognize can be split into two. Recognize. So your brain is able to re-look at the information from a new angle. And that's what I think journaling does really effectively. It doesn't matter whether you're journaling on paper or on Evernote or Word document, whatever. Um, what is awesome is you can start to look at things from a new perspective and a new angle without getting in a different human being. A lot of people need someone else to talk to to actually solve a problem, which is interesting. Um, I don't believe that's true. I believe that you can, you can get farther, maybe not necessarily solve the problem, you can get farther by looking at it and sitting with it for a while and then solving it that way. Uh, and so the five minute journal started as a, um, as a toothbrush for your mind, basically, right? So, so it's not a blank journal. It's something that you do in the morning and at night. Um, and a lot of really awesome people have got behind it. So Tim Ferriss, um, Pat Flynn, Amy Icon, a lot of people that are kind of influencers in, um, in their own kind of domains have, have really embraced it as a way to start and end the day on a good note, um, on a note of gratitude, on a note of kind of looking forward and a lot of like, you know, towards the end of the day, looking back on and thinking of the amazing things that happened that day. And it's a five minute practice that can really make a difference. Um, and so we actually, I think we have a, a money back guarantee. Like if you can prove that you did it for five days and you don't want it again, you can send it back and we'll give you your money back. I definitely believe in journaling and I definitely want the listeners to try your journal if they're connecting with you. But I have a question like what type of prompts or what type of questions like how is it structured that makes it different than somebody just sitting in front of a piece of paper with their pen? Well, there are five questions and um, you start out with a quote at the very top and um, then you quote every day. And the first question is, what are you grateful for? Um, and there's three slots that you can fill it in. Um, the second question is, um, what would make today great? And, um, and so you, you start to think about all the things that you can control. So the weather would not be a factor here because you can't really control the weather, but you can control what you wear. You can control, um, calling an old friend. Um, you can control, um, getting the coffee that you really like with the barista that you really like. Um, you can control all of these things and the things you control end up making your life better or worse. Um, and the third question is, um, who do you want to show up as today? What's your affirmation? And, and then we have two questions at the end. So that's those three questions in the morning, two questions at night are, what are three amazing things that happened today? Um, and so some people might say, well, today was not so great. It was okay. It wasn't amazing. Um, and to them, I would say, think deeper. Like if you're alive, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have a phone. Chances are you have an internet connection. Chances are you have a place to sleep tonight. 
Um, these are all in the upper echelons of, of all, most of what we're, we have access to as human beings. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty good. Um, we have a body likely that's functioning um, at least somewhat okay. That's pretty cool. There are a lot of amazing things that, that we prevent ourselves from being able to see um, because our minds are more wired to look at the negative than the positive. Um, so it's, it's through this, these kind of daily exercises that you start to see, see what's positive here, what's open, what can we do here, what are, what are, uh, what's good in my environment. Um, and over time, that those kind of circuits start to become stronger and stronger. They really help in the long term. You said, uh, what are three things um, that happened today that, that were great? What was the fifth question? Um, what's something, how could I have made today better? So, um, you know, and, and, and we actually changed it recently to, to, to be, how could I have made today even better? Um, which I thought was a valuable um, shift. And that's basically, you know, you look at the day and you're like, okay, like what's that extra, a little extra that I could have done? No, no shaming, no guilting, nothing. Just like, just an objective look at what could I have done differently? And, um, and that's a, that's a valuable thing to look at. Sometimes it's the same thing for, for days and months. Um, and then you have, you have kind of that tiny extra layer of awareness that allows you to see what you, what you could have done differently and, and you, you make the change. I, mean, I think it's really cool because, um, for even someone who's actively, Journaling. I like what you said about thinking, thinking on paper. I think there's a William Zinser quote where I'd read his book years ago. He's a former professor at Columbia and he talked about writing his thinking on paper. And I just, I like that connection that you had made. Um, one of the things that I found, especially when I first started journaling and I was going through a lot of shit, um, that I would regurgitate problems. And one of the things I like about this guided process is that I think there's still there was still a place for that. It helped me to connect with my emotions and connect with ideas, and eventually um, move into other steps, like through additional resources that help me get more clear. But I like this idea that like you walk somebody through a series of questions that lead to self development. As we began early on this podcast talking about, I'm curious for somebody who goes through this process, they do it for a day or a week or a month or six months or a year. Like, what type of changes do you see? people or, or do you hear people telling you that they're experiencing in their life? I think um, the, the changes that I, I hear, first of all, the, I, I hear uh, commonly or disbelief to like belief. I'm like, ah, I thought I'd kind of try this thing. And then, whoa, it really made a difference. Um, it's the, and the changes usually happen the first like five to 15 days five to 20 days where people are like, wow, this is a practice that I can really do that really doesn't take more than five minutes and makes a huge difference for me. Um, and, and I think at least, you know, the, the most significant stories I've heard come from when people are, you know, in, in a place that they're not great, you know, they're, they're in kind of a low level depression or they're, um, they're going through a difficult time and someone gifted them a copy, you know, few months ago, a year ago, and they pull it out of the, the bookshelf. They pull it out of the, um, on, on, out of their office table, whatever. And they started to do it and they started to see, whoa, you know, I'm actually starting to look at things differently. The lens that I'm looking at is, is a bit brighter. Um, and it's, it's, it's a bit more beautiful and I feel more connected to people. I'm calling old friends. Um, I'm, 
reconnecting with myself and other people. Like there's a kind of injection of positivity um, that that is really beautiful to listen to and, and hear. Uh, I was I was just having uh, lunch with um, a buddy of mine a couple of days ago, and, and um, he introduced me to his uh, wife and, and mutual friend of theirs. And uh, she said, you know, you must. She started, you know, her story of the Farmer Journal with sharing. You probably heard this all the time. And uh, and she finished the story of how you know she was going through a kind of transition in her business, and a lot of the the prompts and the challenges helped her kind of create the team and the business the way she did. Um, and and I listened to that and I smiled and I said, it never gets old. It never gets old. Um, and it's something I'm very grateful for. It's absolutely awesome. I have a couple of other questions and then we'll wrap up because I know we're getting close on time. Any suggestions for people who want to develop a consistent journaling practice? Start small. Start small, right? Um, the point is not, uh, if, if there was one thing I could have told myself about 10 years ago, um, is I wanted to do epic things. I wanted to do epic things now. And I was impatient. Um, and I'm still impatient, but I, I I think something that would have been really valuable for me to hear is, hey, do just a little bit now, and just a little bit tomorrow. And the consistency works itself in so deeply that um, within a short period of time, you, you will have the changes that you want. Um, it's not about creating epic things. It's about doing things every day. Uh, or every other day on some kind of cadence that can slowly move you to where you want to be. And so maybe, you know, we, we share the, the format of the five minute journal on the website. So you don't have to necessarily buy the book. Um, when I was you know 19 and I didn't have much money, I wrote the questions out by hand. Um, and that's how I used to do my journaling. I used to write the questions out by hand. It used to take me 15, 20 minutes. Um, and that's how I did it. And that's totally fine too. Wherever you are, is great, but I think anybody can take, like really kind of be honest with themselves, sit down and say, okay, this is something I want to do. And I'm willing to put heart, time, energy, effort, courage into this. Okay, what's a reasonable plan that I can stick to? It doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be epic, but it has to be consistent and reasonable. I think that's such an important point, and that's, I'm going to say as men, but I really like talking about myself, that was a lesson that um, I've had to learn many times and still struggle with, to, is this idea that that everything starts small, uh, or things start simple, generally, and you build off them and grow them, and I, th- I think that's a really beautiful piece of wisdom for the listeners, and something that I've, I've definitely experienced in my life and have to remind myself of. But I think it's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you earlier, you talked about resources and books around trauma. What, who are some of the people who inspired you the most? Um, I think there's a great book by um, the, the addiction, um, the doctor that specializes in addiction, Dr. Gabor Mate, called uh, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. It's powerful because it's, you know, if you're human, you'll read that book and you'll, You'll feel a thing or two, if not cry. Um, it's uh, it's really a compassionate look at um, addicts and, and and what goes into 
their creation, but more importantly, it's it's uh, to me a meditation on on what it means to be human. Um, that was a big one. There's one called The Curse of the Gifted Child by Alice Miller. I think it's Alice Miller. Um, and that was really great. Uh, and I think, and this is going to come off the left field, but I think The Artist's Way is a fantastic book by Julia Cameron. Um, it's about a 12-week process in the reclamation of your creativity. Um, and to me, creativity is another word for aliveness, is another word for wholeness and completeness. And, uh, and so I don't believe you can be fully yourself and, and not creative. I think we've, we've all have uh, a creative vein in us um, that we can choose to express uh, the more deeply we're in touch with it. So those three resources are a great place to start. Uh, if you're looking to figure out like what's the first resource, I would say I would start with the artist's way. It's, it's probably the best bang for your buck. Any other last words of wisdom, tips, suggestions for the listeners, whether it's about uh, journaling or life or dealing with traumas or connecting their emotions, anything else that you really want to share with the listeners? Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a small thing. But it's, it, here's what I would say. Today, when you're going out um, and doing your thing, just make someone smile. You know, maybe just make someone smile. Maybe smile at them, give them a compliment. Just make them smile. It'll make your day better. UJ, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It's been a pleasure. And if you're listening and you want to learn more about UJ and the 5-Minute Journal and all the different things that he's doing, we're going to post some links on the Craft Christmas website and within the description of this podcast so that you can learn about him more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. My pleasure, man. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.